following sermon is from the Westminster Pulpit, extending the worship ministry of Westminster Presbyterian Church, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We are a local congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America. Please contact us for permission before reproducing this message in any format. Please turn with me to Psalm 119, reading the first 16 verses of that psalm, a psalm that contains 22 stanzas, each for a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet and beginning with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The theme of the psalm is the Word of God and its transforming power in our lives. And in it, we see the psalmist longing to know God's Word and to live according to the Word of God. Hear the Word of God, Psalm 119. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in His ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his holy word. A few weeks ago at the end of July, Patty and I were in West Texas for our annual time together with family at a Christian camp there. And as many of you know, one of our family's favorite activities is hiking and looking for arrowheads. And this year we got to do that often. One afternoon I went out with our youngest daughter and some of her cousins to hike like that. And as the afternoon wore on, Various people headed back to camp, getting tired and everything, and eventually Merwin and I were the last two hiking, and it was hot, and we finally drank all the water that we took with us, but we just kept going. We were having such a good time. We were probably out there for a little over three hours, but in spite of being tired and footsore, we agreed that it was one of our favorite activities in the world. In other words, to put it this way, in spite of the, quote, hardship, it was actually a delight. Thirsty, tired, hot, but because it was an activity that gave joy, it really was no sacrifice at all. In fact, we were back at it the next afternoon. In his book about the Bible that just came out the other month, Kevin DeYoung begins by describing 
a love poem. Not a love poem about romantic love between a woman and a man, but a love poem about God's Word. And as you read the opening illustration of chapter 1 of his book, you realize, oh, he's talking about Psalm 119. The longest chapter in the Bible is a love poem about the Word of God. De Young describes this psalm and says that the goal of everything he says in his book about the Bible is to help people ultimately move in the direction of treasuring and delighting in God's Word. And he finally returns to that theme at the end of his book as well. We want this evening to briefly look at the beginning of this psalm, which has a number of the themes that reoccur throughout the psalm, and to seek to grow in our delight in the Word of God, and thus our delight in God Himself, because the two are inextricably linked. I want to look at three main points, treasure the Word, think the Word, apply the Word in our time we have. The first, treasure the Word. I would guess that as I read the first two stanzas in Psalm 119, that a a number of these verses jumped up at us. Maybe verse 11 is the most familiar. I have stored up or hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word hidden in the King James is actually better translated here, stored up. It means to deliberately put out of, it it doesn't mean to deliberately put out of sight as we would hide something, but it has the sense of storing up, or even more accurately, to treasure up. Your word have I treasured up in my heart that I might not sin against you. And Psalm 14, verse 14 has that same sense. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. This idea of treasuring the Word of God. I thought about, often think about how much our family likes these arrowheads. Here are two of them that I found this year. A broken arrowhead and a broken either spearhead or knife. Um, Really not much. You know, they aren't that great. You can check with me afterwards if you want to look at them. But to think that we hike all around in the heat looking for these, of course, it's a lot of fun just to be out there and doing that. Certainly, they're not worth anything to speak of. Treasuring the Word of God means that you believe that the Bible is truly the Word of God, that it is of supreme value, and thus you make every effort to expose yourself to the Word of God, to get it into your mind, and to understand it. I kind of broke down the beginning of this psalm into three of the major themes that we find here. When we think about how do we come to treasure God's Word, first thing I noted here was that the psalmist has a number of declarations. In fact, the first four verses are really declarations, truths about the Word of God. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with all with their whole heart. Verse 4, you have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. And then down in verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. These are all declarations about the word of God. It's interesting in verse 2 that there's a parallel between keeping God's testimonies, blessed are those who keep his testimonies, and that phrase is parallel to 
who seek him with their whole heart. So in other words, keeping God's testimonies, believing, trusting, obeying, loving God's word is parallel to, it's equivalent to, we might say, seeking God himself. The two are inextricably linked. So there are these declarations of the psalm about the Word of God, and there are many more as the psalm unfolds. But it's based on those declarations then that we move into desires. In other words, we begin by understanding the vital importance of the Word of God, how central it is to know the living God, to know the gospel of Christ through the Word of God. And that, as we understand the beauty and the power of God's Word to bring us into fellowship with God Himself, to show us Jesus Christ and who He is, to transform our lives from inside out, then we delight in the Word of God more and more. And then, so you see here verses which speak about desire for the Word of God, delight in the Word of God. Verse 5, Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. The psalmist is just crying out, Oh, this is what I want, Lord. Look down at verse 10. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Doesn't that remind you of the end of the first hymn we sang? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the, the God I love. And there's that part about being, having our hearts bound to God by His grace. Or we see in verse 12, Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. The ESV has an exclamation point there. Verse 14, In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. And this is a theme that's repeated in the psalm, this idea of desiring God and the Word of God, delighting in the the law of God. So there's that declarations, the truth about God's Word leads us to delight and treasure the Word of God, which then moves us, our growing delight moves us to intentionality, to resolves to commitment to God and His Word. And we see these resolves throughout the psalm as well. Verse 7, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. In other words, the psalmist is, res- is resolving to praise God. Verse 8, I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. Verse 11, I have stored up your words in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. The psalm just overflows with the psalmist making these resolves. In other words, his delight does not just end in the empty air. It is expressed in something real in terms of his desire and his resolve to put into practice what he knows to be true about the Word of God. We might ask, well, how do we treasure God's Word? We certainly hear the Word of God preached and taught. There's Bible studies you can go to. We're to be exhorting one another daily with the Word of God in some sense. We can sing the Word of God. But also, practically, we know that individually, we're to read the Word of God, to seek to study it, 
to memorize it, to, to store it up in our hearts. Let me say something about all three of these ways, reading, studying, memorizing. If you think about those things, and for me to mention them, immediately I'm sure your heart goes to the idea that, well, that requires effort. That requires intentionality, planning, commitment. These things don't just happen accidentally. The whole family doesn't just happen to gather around the table with the Bible opening by itself and somebody saying, hey, why don't we do, no one's doing anything, let's read a little bit. No, you have to plan, and individually you have to plan. We know that's true about many things in life. We know it's true about physical exercise. We know it's true about anything that you want to really um, excel at. If some of you young folks are learning a musical instrument, you know that even if you have great musical gifts, you have to practice. The greatest musicians are often those who have practiced the most, or it's combined natural giftedness with that resolve. The same with any kind of athletics or sports or getting a further education. I think it's so interesting that we understand the need for diligence in so many areas of our lives, but often we fail to see that or fail to keep up with that when it comes to the Word of God. The tremendous thing about the Word of God is that, in a sense, the Word of God is the raw, the raw material that the Holy Spirit uses as He works His will in our lives, as He builds Christ-like conformity in our lives. It's the, it's the stuff of which the Holy Spirit works with. In Romans 12, too, it says that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And it's interesting that's a passive verb, be transformed. How do we do something that is happening to us? Well, the Holy Spirit is the agent of our transformation. And in a sense, our part is, since the Word of God is the chief instrument the Holy Spirit uses to transform us, we must bring our minds and our thoughts and our lives under that Word, seeking to understand it, seeking to read it and study it. You and I cannot effectively pursue gospel holiness through faith in Christ without the Word of God stored up in our minds that we would believe the promises of God and look to Jesus Christ daily and understand more and more about the character of our loving God, especially when suffering takes place, as we, as we hear what, what Matt said about Rhea, and, and, and I just as he talked about her and as he explained how her sister was going through this difficult time and she wrestled with theology as a teenager, we see how the Word of God is so instrumental in all of this. Verse 16 describes the attitude and resolve of the psalmist. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So I challenge you, to resolve anew, to treasure the Word of God with all of our failings, with all of our weaknesses. And if you've aged at all, you know it gets harder and harder to memorize the Word of God. I challenge you to renew your resolve to treasure God's Word. But secondly, think the Word. And again, the psalm uh, bubbles over with verses about thinking the Word of God Verses 5 and 6, Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes, then I shall not be put to shame having 
my eyes fixed on all your commandments. Notice that final phrase, that idea of having our eyes fixed on something. Thinking the word of God. Or verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. There's the first use in the psalm of that word, meditate, a very famous word. And if you know anything about that word in the Old Testament, you know that literally its origin has to do with mumbling to yourself. You mumble over to yourself. Somebody told me a story in the last week or two. I forget who it was, but it was about a husband who was upset about a neighbor doing something in the backyard. And the wife... He was headed over to the neighbor's house to talk to him, and the wife realized that the neighbor has these bird microphones on trees to pick up the bird sounds. And he got back, and she said something to him, were you saying anything on your way over there? I think she was afraid that he was mumbling to himself, and she was worried that the neighbors were going to hear him mumbling, and she was kind of worried about what his meditation might have been on the way to talk to them. He assured her that he didn't swear or anything. So I don't know if that covered the bases or not, but here's a question for you. What is your most constant activity? We might say, well, breathing, my heart beats. Yes, those are given. But what about thinking? Thinking is something that we are always doing. We are thinking. We cannot not think. And God purposes to be at work in and through the Christian's thinking. That's why Scripture speaks so powerfully about this transformation by the renewing of our minds. Meditation involves storing up God's Word, memorizing it, studying it, but it doesn't end there. It must also involve reflecting on God's Word in our lives as we live, turning it over and over in our minds, thinking about it throughout the day, We know Psalm 1 describes this when it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now, day and night doesn't mean that we do it every second of the day, as if we must think only of the Word of God at all times. We know it's not possible to live that way. But it is pushing us in that direction of regular times that we're thinking about the Word of God, habitually, consistently. It has to do with what we think about when we don't have to think about anything else. Are there times when our thoughts go to the Word of God? It's easy for me to get in the car, and if it's near the top of the hour, just to switch on the news. Just kind of just, well, what's the latest news? What's happening in Iraq, you know? Is that necessary? And I, I have to restrain myself not to turn the radio on because I just don't want there to be noise in my life all the time. To meditate on the Word of God, it has to do with thinking about the Word of God in moments that we have time to think about them. God's Word commands us to meditate in the midst of the busy routines of life. It's very possible that David wrote this psalm while he was king. That may sound good to us. Wouldn't we like to be king and then we could do what we want to? But a king has a very demanding job. President Obama left for vacation either yesterday or this morning to Martha's Vineyard for two weeks. So he's going to be golfing some, we hear. 
but he's got a fundraiser he's got to go to tomorrow night. He's apparently going to be back in Washington, D.C. next weekend. I'm sure the president needs a vacation. We read about uh, George and Laura Bush's ranch over vacation, which is in Crawford, Texas, this beautiful ranch house with doors outside almost in every room. But Laura was talking about their lives, and one thing she said that was interesting is that she was so, so relieved when their eight years of presidency ended because of the crushing press of demands and activities upon them. And it was such a relief to be done with that. Now, David was king for 40 years. He was a busy man, I'm sure. Always decisions to be made. I'm sure David's desk was piled high with the to-do list and the inbox and the outbox. But this psalm portrays a life of meditation, constantly turning one's mind back to the Word of God. I'm sure David had to be intentional about this, just like Daniel in his busy life. We just studied his life. Think of some of the ways to consistently and habitually be thinking the Word of God. You can think about the Word of God and pray about it. You can think about the Word of God and seek to believe it in light of the circumstances of your life, especially when suffering comes or when your agenda isn't happening the way you'd wish it. You can think about the Word of God and apply it specifically to some application in your life. You could think about it in terms of God's character, who God is as you're living your life. You could reflect on Jesus Christ and His work and His love for you. It's revealed in the Word of God. Or you can praise and thank God. The Bible often talks about the Word of God dwelling in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. There's that idea of admonition linked to to singing and praising God in that sense. But the key to all this is intentionality. What do you do with your junk mind time? I know that some of you young folks are like students that can multitask. And you can sit there and think about one thing, and your mom can say something, and you hear every word she said, and she said, were you listening to me, John? And you can say, yeah, you said this. And you get it exactly right, but you're not really focusing on it. And maybe you're looking at your, you know, your iPad or your iPhone or something like that. One of the great curses of modern society is noise in all of our lives. Just so much coming at us. Technology, ways that we can have things speaking to us or affecting us. What do we do with our junk time, our junk thought, so to speak, We need to intentionally think the Word of God. And finally, apply the Word of God. We treasure the Word of God. We think the Word of God. We apply the Word of God. In verse 11, the psalmist says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The goal is that we grow in Christ-likeness, that we grow in the image of God, Later on in the psalm, verse 59, the psalmist says, When I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. Interesting verse, isn't it? Thinking about your ways, thinking about your life. How do you live? What are the things that you value? What are the things that you love? What moves you? What are the things that you know 
are the most important to you. When you think about your ways, the psalmist is saying, a love for the Word of God and seeking to meditate on it, resolve to keep it, means that as I think about my ways, there's this process of application of the Word of God. I turn my feet to your testimonies. That's not easy. It means we call upon the Lord, we confess how we fall short, we affirm that we stand in the gospel alone, and then we request Jesus Christ for help to turn our feet more and more, that our ways are more and more in keeping with this very Word. Treasuring, thinking, but meditation is not complete until there is the application phase. We know that in 1 Corinthians, it tells us that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. It's possible to know the Word of God in a way that you're being puffed up, but not built up rightly. It maybe leads to pride or complacency. It's interesting in, in Ezekiel 33, Ezekiel is, the Lord is describing to him certain things. And, he, and the Lord says, and the people, as they come to you as people come, and they sit before you as my people, and they hear what you say, but they will not do it. In other words, people are coming to Ezekiel, they're hearing what he says, but they're not going to do it. For with lustful talk in their mouths they act. Their heart is set on their gain. And behold, you are to them like one who sings lustful songs with a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument. For they hear what you say, but they will not do it. In other words, the entertainment in those days was, let's go hear what Ezekiel says. There wasn't television, no movies, you know, there wasn't much to do, so Ezekiel's kind of like a singing bard, you know, who um, plays songs with a, a beautiful voice. And so, oh, well, we'll go hear what he says. Maybe he'll tell us a good story. But God is saying the people of Ezekiel's day weren't being changed by the Word of God, and there was terrible judgment to come. There's a need to apply the Word of God. Is Scripture getting into our lives? We need to hear the Word of God. We need to let the Word of God stand in judgment on our attitudes, our thoughts, our words, our actions. James says that we're to receive with meekness the Word of God. Receiving with meekness means receiving humbly. You know how we tend to hear the Word of God and think, oh, I hope so-and-so heard that. They really need to hear that. Or, yeah, preach it, because that applies to our society and all the scandalous sins we see out there. But does the Word function like a mirror in our lives that we see ourselves and we reflect on it and we reflect on our ways and we repent and we cry out to the Lord to work to transform us? Meditation takes effort, it takes diligence, but it also must be linked to prayerful dependence on the help of the Holy Spirit. When we think about God's grace to us, we know that we must never see any discipline like meditating on God's Word as a means of acceptance with God. No, that's always through Jesus Christ alone. But standing in grace… And depending on the Holy Spirit, we are free to intentionally, with resolve, with desire, 
with delight pursue the Word of God. May the goal of each one of us be to treasure God's Word, to store it up in our minds, to think and reflect on it throughout this week, and to ask our God to apply it to our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the Word of God. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the Word of our God endures forever. Help us, O Lord, to stand firmly in Your Word, by Your grace, as we look to the cross of Jesus Christ alone. Thank You for the great salvation You've given us and revealed in Your Word. In Jesus' name, amen.